Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of December 11th through the 13th, 2020. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. So here we are, the final full episode of the year. Uh, as we noted last week, I'll be covering all the announcements from the Disney Investor Day this week, um, from this past Thursday, as well as the continued fallout from the Warner Brothers' decision to move all their films to HBO Max in 2021, as well as any other you know small headlines and the box office numbers for the past weekend. Though you know, given the amount of stuff from the Disney Investor Day, uh, that's going to take a while to get there. So we'll try to we'll try to be quick about it. Uh, next week, instead of a typical episode, I'll have a year-end special where I recap the news of the 2020 box office in a little bit of a different format, uh, which despite having a lot of theaters closed this for half the year, there was still a lot of news. So, you know, look forward to that. Um, you know, we'll then be taking a break over the holidays and come back the first week of the new year to look exactly at how the Wonder Woman 1984 box office turned out doing, um, as well as, you know, if Demon Slayer finally ended up beating Spirit of the Way. Uh, luckily for you, there's a lot to look at again in this week's episode, so it's going to be like you're getting three episodes worth of content in one to tide you over till January. So, looking at what's new this week, uh, the big event is, of course, the Disney Investor Day uh, conference. Uh, if that doesn't really sound exciting, uh, it normally isn't, even for box office nerds. You know, normally we'll just get the numbers on how many streaming you know users there are for Disney Plus. Maybe a few announcements about what what films are coming and you know how much total money they made in box office compared to last year. Obviously, those latter numbers are kind of a wash, but. Uh, given the lack of most in-person fan conventions this year and you know the promise at the last earnings call that there would be a lot of announcements relevant to Disney's direct-to-consumer strategy, um, you know, eyes were on this platform. And on top of that, given the light of the Warner Brothers announcement, a lot of people, including myself, were, were expecting to see, you know, is Disney going to follow in the steps of Warner Brothers or will they do a little bit something different? Uh, you know, the the stakes were that if they did do what Warner Brothers was, that basically spelled the end of theatrical box office. So, uh, did, did Disney finish the job that Warner started? So, the answer... No. Uh, in slightly more words, mostly not. Uh, we'll get to the nitty-gritty in a second, but no, so as not to bury the lead, most of the big feature films Disney announced, uh, in particular Pixar films, Lucasfilm films, uh, the MCU films, and some of, this, and some of the uh, you know, animated films, are still planned to be theatrical exclusives. Uh, the one exception is, of course, Raya and the Last Dragon, which is coming this March. However, that's likely due to the fact that COVID vaccine won't be widely available by then. Uh, in that case, Disney will be repeating their premier access experiment uh, from Mulan, though with a few tweaks such as having a simultaneous theatrical release on top of the digital release, which again is not the case with Mulan. Now, that's not to say there won't be a lot of Disney Plus exclusive content, but you know, just that the major theatrical releases will mostly stay th- uh, theatrical exclusive at this point. We'll get to that in a little bit. Before we go through the slate of all the content announced, uh, the other big news is that as of December 2nd, so about one month since their last earnings call uh, you know, in, in November, uh, Disney had said they had 73 million users then. They've announced that they have since hit 86.8 million users worldwide. Uh, this is partly buoyed by the fact that since then, Disney Plus has launched in Latin America and the Caribbean. Uh, but also, this kind of you know proves pretty promising for investors, of course, uh, in terms of... Uh, 
when you're looking at, okay, did users retain after the full year passed? It seems a lot of users did. Um, and in addition, a lot of the users who are using the uh, Verizon free one-year deal when signing up for Disney Plus a year ago seems to have stayed on. Uh, it's not that you see a, a huge drop-off. So given the initial projections for how many users Disney would have on Disney Plus, uh, by the end of 2024, was 90 million users, we're basically at that goal in a quarter of the time. So, you know, or, or even a fifth of the time, really. So, you know, as such, they've, they've basically updated their guidance, uh, saying that they forecast Disney Plus on its own uh, will hit 250 to 260 million users by the end of 2024, uh, just about tripling the current subscriber base. Uh, if you include Hulu and ESPN, their other streaming services, Disney says they will have between 300 to 350 million users between all three services. Uh, no, no, this is subscribers, not unique users. Uh, sitting, you know, currently that total sits at about 137 million dollars, 137 million subscribers total. Now, notably, this will make them the largest streaming platform uh, in the world. Netflix currently is at 195 million users worldwide. Various estimates suggest they'll be at only 209, only 219 million users by 2024. Uh, Disney also announced plans to launch the Star platform internationally, uh, kind of you know branching off of their Hot Star platform in India, uh, which they had acquired. Um, this is essentially their answer to their own platform, Hulu, uh, which is pretty much U.S. only. Uh, in Europe, Canada, and New Zealand, Star is going to be another you know tile within the Disney Plus interface um, at no additional cost, and you know covers content from Disney's other properties that don't fit the main Disney brand, uh, such as ABC, FX, Search light and 20th century studios aka fox uh, in latin america they're going to launch a separate star plus app users will have to subscribe for but they're going to be integrating espn and espn plus content into that app uh, since it won't be within disney plus proper you know unlike hulu star will focus only on other only disney owned content uh, and will not license shows from other networks uh, such as uh you know what Net what hulu does now, I did say there will be no additional cost. There actually is an additional cost, but not for stars specifically only in international markets. Uh, worldwide, the Disney Plus will be increasing its price by, here in the States, about a dollar or so from $6.99 a month to $7.99. Uh, for, or for the full year package, about $70 up to $80. Uh, the Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN bundle is also going to increase a dollar a month uh, to $13.99, about $14. Uh, notably, you know, Netflix did increase their monthly rates uh, from the popular plan going from thirteen to fourteen dollars. Uh, you know, a couple uh, within the past month or so. So this is kind of keeping up with the market, and again, helping Disney start to recoup the cost. Uh, you know, of of all of the stuff that they're about to announce. You know, with with all those content additions, I think most people won't be too upset about having to pay a little bit extra for for the service. So you know. Onto the content, you know, this is obviously a box office podcast, and I normally don't cover television shows as much, so I won't really spend too much time on them. Uh, but for the sake of completion, and since since this does drive additional content to Disney Plus, uh, which you know makes the, the the case that oh maybe people should put their, they should put their movies on Disney Plus, uh, I I'm going to I'm going to touch on them briefly. Um, I will be ignoring Hulu, FX, and ESPN content since those aren't quite as relevant to Disney Plus, even if they were included here in the. Uh, in the investor call. All right, uh, in order. We'll go in order of the way that they, they announced it. So kicking off uh, with Lucasfilm, Kathleen Kennedy made a bunch of announcements. Uh, first off, a bunch of television shows. Uh, the Mandalorian, doing well in its second season. It confirmed to have a third season returning next year. Uh, 
And then the other so the so runners of Mandalorian, John Favreau and Dave Filoni, are working on two spin-off shows from the Mandalorian, uh, the Rangers of the New Republic, and Ahsoka, featuring fan favorite character from the animated show Clone Wars, Ahsoka Tano. Um, you know, she also appeared in Mandalorian recently. The two stories will be interconnected and have a qu- joint quote-unquote story event, uh, you know, conclusion. Uh, no release date confirmed for these uh, spin-off series. Uh, spinning off the Rogue One movie, uh, they are you know creating a more gritty spy thriller focused uh, film focused uh, series focused on Diego Luna's character Cassian Andor, the show's named Andor. Um, it's created by Born Identity creator Tony Kilroy, uh, slated for 2022. Uh, you know, we already knew that Ewan McGregor was coming back for the Obi-Wan Kenobi movie, um, set 10 years after episode 3. Uh, the big news from this, uh, from this, uh, you know, Investor Day call was that Hayden Christensen, uh, who played Anakin Skywalker in the prequel trilogy, will be coming back as Darth Vader. Um, now, you know, the Clone Wars animated series had its season finale, or series finale, um, but they are going to be spinning off another animated series called The Bad Bats, based on the 99th Squadron of Clone Troopers. No need announced for that, or, or for Obi-Wan Kenobi either. Um, I'm particularly interested for my anime podcast, yet another anime podcast, that there will be a 10-episode anthology series called Star Wars Visions, uh, coming directly from various Japanese anime studios. Uh, let's see, Justin Simeon, uh, creator of the Netflix uh, movie and television series Dear White People, uh, is working on an event series based on the story of Lando Calrissian. No news if it's going to be uh, Billy D. Williams' Lando Calrissian or Donald Glover. Hopefully both. Um, the Acolyte, a lot, a lot of here, it seems to be mostly focused on the dark side of the Force. Um, from uh, Emmy-nominated with, uh, with our, uh, director uh, Leslie Hayward of The Wasn't Doll. Um, no date for this. Um, Lucasfilm Animation uh, is also going to be working with ILM, uh, Industrial Light and Magic, to make an animated series uh, featuring R2-D2 and C-3PO called A Droid Story. And then, not Star Wars related at all, but kind of from left field, um, I didn't even know this movie was a thing. Apparently, there's a 1988 film by Ron Howard from Lucasfilms called Willow that's going to be rebooted into a new series for Disney Plus come 2022. Um, same leads coming back, Warwick Davis, and then the pilot is going to be directed by Crazy Rich Agents and In the Heights director John M. Chu. Um, now, everything I've talked about coming to Disney Plus uh, telev- is a television series. Um, now, you know, this was followed up by news of upcoming Star Wars films. Uh, the, w- the One of the big highlights of the of the conference was that Patty Jenkins, director of the Wonder Woman films, is slated to direct the next Star Wars film coming December 2023 entitled Rogue Squadron, uh, which is the name of the uh, squad of X-Wing fighters that Luke Skywalker uh, fought in and founded. Um, you know, in, in the days since the announcement, it's been revealed that she's been been working on it for a while with an as of yet unnamed co-writer. Uh, notably, this means that the pla- the paramount between this and the paramount Cleopatra film with Gal Gadot um, that she's working on, there likely won't be another Wonder Woman film for a pretty long time for Warner Brothers. Now, I don't think that this was you know a direct response to uh, you know Warner Brothers uh, moving everything to HBO Max, um, but certainly uh, this doesn't help Warner Brothers' position uh, in in that regard. Um, the film apparently is not going to be a straight video game adaptation, you know, there's a video game of the same name, but there's going to be influence from the games as well as from the books. Uh, Also, no news on which era it's going to be set in. Uh, and then we knew about the Taika Waititi Star Wars film. It's still in pre-production. Uh, no new details yet uh, or release date, but assuming it releases, you know, as soon as possible, uh, given that uh, 
uh, Patty Jenkins is going to be taking the 2023 Star Wars slot. Uh, it's likely that Taiko Waititi will be coming out in holiday 2025. Uh, we also did not get any news on the supposed Ryan Johnson trilogy of films that was announced back in 2018 and has been talked about as recently as 2019. Now, of course, there is the possibility that Johnson has shifted to writing duties instead of directing duties and and that he's actually Patty Jenkins' mystery co-writer, but that's only speculation on, our, on my part. So we'll see uh, if this is actually dead in the water, as many people seem to think. Uh, and of course, we have some non-Star Wars Lucasfilms theatrical releases, uh, one we knew about and and, and and one new one as well. Uh, Indiana Jones 5 is going to be shooting next spring uh, with Harrison Ford and, and uh, Steven Spielberg again. Oh, no, sorry, not Steven Spielberg, uh, James Mangold, my bad. Uh, it's going to be releasing in July 2022. Uh, and then Children of Blood and Bone is focusing on a, which is focused on a young African magician. Uh, is based off of New York Times bestseller adult, by adult novelist uh, Tomi Adeyemi. Uh, from her debut work in 2018. She's going to be co-producing with 20th Century for release in 2022. So that's the Lucasfilm stuff. Uh, the fact that during the presentation, there was really no mention uh, of these films being Disney Plus exclusives bodes well for Disney's faith in, in theatrical exhibition. Uh, but again, these are the earliest of these projects is coming out in 2022. Uh, and so, you know, and hopefully the vaccine will be widespread by then. So it's not really the best barometer to compare against HBO Max's move. Um, again, the biggest news is Patty Jenkins' involvement in Star Wars, meaning that it's going to be a while before she's able to work on anything for Warner Brothers, at least for the next half a decade or so. Uh, moving on to National Geographic, mostly all uh, television shows at this point. Um, I'm going to be speedrunning these, presented by Kurt Monroe, as you know, generally Nat Geo doesn't really affect the box office. Uh, we have a documentary on underwater explorer Jack Cousteau. Uh, the Genius Biographical uh, Series will be focusing on Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, James Cameron is going to be taking a break from Avatar to work on Secret of the Whales, a docu-series narrated by Sigourney Weaver. Uh, a Reels Bugs Live is going to be focusing on bugs, uh, using new miniaturized cameras, America the Beautiful covers the beauty of the U.S. national parks, including using fighter planes to fly over the parks when uh, there was no flying happening because of the pandemic. Uh, Darren Aronofsky is going to be working with Chris Hemsworth on a series called Limitless, Limitless about using technology to maximize the power of the human body. Uh, it reminds me a lot of that Zac Efron uh, series that came out on Netflix earlier this year. And then Darren Aronofsky is also going to be working with Will Smith on a series Welcome to Earth to discover the most extreme parts of the planet. Again, not much bother box office relevant here, but it is interesting to see Chris Hemsworth, who also known as Thor, and James Cameron, Mr. I've held the top box office record multiple times and I'm working on four sequels to Avatar at the same time, uh, they're staying within the Disney family. Um, I guess, if anything, this kind of really highlights how Disney indulges on the passions of its creators and, and talent uh, as opposed to the way that Warner Brothers treated their talent in their recent announcements. Uh, after a brief Homer Simpson interlude, uh, Dana Walden of Walt Disney Television talked about uh, a lot of the direct to Disney Plus series coming to the platform. Uh, Mighty Ducks uh, Game Changers is a spinoff off of the 90s live-action trilogy of films uh, in which feels like a future generation of kids who were inspired by the original uh, in-universe protagonists, similar to Cobra Kai and Karate Kid. Uh, Turner and Hoots is a follow-up to the series a series to the 1989 Tom Hanks film of the same name about a cop and his partner, a big honking dog. Um, I haven't seen this film before, to be honest, so no idea what to expect, but child actor Josh Peck of Drake and Josh, who's also now a YouTuber, uh, is going to be taking on the role of Tom Hanks' kid, Turner. Uh, Big Shot is a basketball series about a 
all girls high school coats, uh, John Stamos, um, a prequel series to the live action Beauty and the Beast film, uh, is coming with LeFou and Gaston returning, portraying by portrayed by Luke Evans and Josh Gad, all new Menken from Alan Menken, uh, Swiss Family Robinson, a retelling of the 1960 movie, uh, led by Battlestar Galactica's Ron Moore and the aforementioned John M. Chu. Uh, this one has been in development hell since at least 2004, so it's pretty nice to you know see this coming around. Uh, we also confirmed that the Rick Riordan uh, novel uh, series uh, Percy Jackson is still on track to get its, its adaptation on Disney Plus after the terrible movie. Uh, not many more details have been confirmed here. Uh, and then the Mysterious Benedict Society is based on the best-selling young adult novel book series. Uh, it's going to be coming to Disney Plus as well as a series. Now, again, this is Disney television, not much in the way of box office impact. However, I would keep an eye on these if only uh, because... Due to the number of kid-focused series, I think the child actors here are likely being groomed to become the next generation of Disney feature film stars, right? Like, uh, given that, you know, the Disney Channel really isn't, I think, doing in the heyday, like kind of the days of Hannah Montana or whatnot, right? Or or Camp Rock or whatever other series there were, uh, Sweet Life of Life and Cody. Um, I think this is where that breeding ground for Disney talent to, to grow up will end up being. Um, you know, I could also see. I also see on top of that that uh, Disney's digging into the well of their old IP, uh, going back as far as the Swiss Family Robinson, uh, but also you know Mighty Ducks, Turin Hoots. Um, you know, and, but as, they're also looking at more recent stuff, such as the live-action Beauty and the Beast remake, and getting the best elements from there, Gaston and LeFou, to come back. So uh, this may be a, a hint at how future Disney films, you know, especially the live-action ones, end up getting uh, produced in a way uh, to lead to other spin-off content for Disney Plus in form of television series. All right, speaking of live-action movies, uh, then there is Walt Disney Motion Pictures, um, which is led by Sean Bailey. Uh, he talked mostly, at, at, he started off his segment talking about how they're digging into old IB, not only from Disney, but also from their recently acquired properties such as 20th Century Fox. Um, so, you know, going into some uh, films that are and that are coming out um, on Disney Plus, uh, we have Hocus Pocus 2. Uh, is, you know, this was already known back in October 2019 with all three original uh, leads coming back. But it is interesting to note that they're putting this on Disney Plus exclusively after the re-release success uh, this past year. Uh, Three Men and the Baby is a remake of the 1987 film starring Tom Selleck, Steve Guttenberg, and Ted Danson. Uh, the remake will be starring Zac Efron uh, as one of the leads um, coming in 2022. Um, they touched upon the film Safety, which released uh, this past Friday, um, which led into talking about a bunch of other real-life sports films, including the story of high school coach Keenan Lowe, uh, produced by Dwayne Johnson. Uh, Greek Freak focused on the story of NBA Yanis uh, Atenkompu. Sorry if I put this down. Put this down mispronounced that um, and then a biographical film about NBA star Chris Paul all Disney Plus uh, maybe after the success that ESPN had with Mi the Michael Jordan pick Last Dance uh, Disney uh, you know most of the pictures hopped on that train as well uh, a film coming to Disney Plus on February 9th 2021 is based on Newbery Award winning book Fior and Flora and Ulysses uh, it's about a comic book fan and her super powered squirrel friend um, reminds me of that film that came out earlier this year, Ivan the Terrible. Um, you know, I think it's about like a gorilla or something. So cute animal friend movie. 
Um, let's see, a remake of the 2003 film of the same name, Cheaper by the Dozen, which was announced back in 2019, uh, is going to be produced by Kenya Barris, who worked on the ABC series Blackest, uh, with a multiracial family led by Gabriel Union. Uh, it's set for 2022 on Disney+. Plus. Uh, this one pulls from the 20th Century catalog, not the Disney catalog. Um, also from the 20th Century catalog, uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, was made, which was made into four live-action films, uh, will be coming in 2021 to Disney+, Plus as an animated film, from 20th Century Animation. Uh, interesting, the clip that we saw reminds me of the look of the Peanuts film from another uh, Disney animation studio, Blue Sky Studios, uh, who made the Peanuts film. Uh, speaking of Blue Sky Studios, the Ice Age series is back. It's going to have a spin-off film exclusive to Disney+, Plus, uh, Ice Age The Adventures of Buck, starring the possums Crass and Eddie and the weasel Buck, uh, with Simon Pegg returning to voice Buck. And then finally, Night at the Museum is making the jump to the animated film after three live-action films. Uh, director Sean Levy, uh, again, this is a 20th Century Fox film, uh, is returning to produce the series as it comes to Disney+. And of course, you know, we can't help but talk about the live-action remakes of classic Disney animated films. Uh, there was a lot of speculations about which one of these would come to Disney+, and which ones would stay theatrical. Uh, well, wait no further. Uh, on For July 2021, coming next year, uh, technically not a live-action remake, but the, Ju the Jungle Cruise film with Wayne Johnson and Emily Blunt will be coming to theaters. Uh, this one had been set for July of this year, but got pushed back a year. Um, and while it wasn't mentioned on the investor's call, again, Twitter confirmed that this would be a theatrical exclusive. Uh, given that this seems to position itself as the next Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, uh, they definitely don't want to give it the potential box office revenue on this one, especially with the two big stars in the lead. Uh, the quote-unquote live-action uh, Lion King movie is getting a prequel movie. We knew that Oscar winner Barry Jenkins would be set to direct this, um, but we didn't know it was going to be a prequel. It's actually going to be as opposed to a sequel. Um, again, no news on if it's going to be a Disney Plus original or not, but there was no little logo that, that said that there was going to be a Disney Plus exclusive, so I, I, it's presumably going to be theatrical probably 2022 or beyond. Uh, the same can be said for the live-action Little Mermaid remake starring Halle Berry as the singer uh, with music from uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, again, we knew about this one. We didn't have any date yet or any mention of Disney+. Now, some stuff that is coming directly to Disney+, Plus that's live-action. Uh, there's a live-action slash animated film, mixed media, so kind of like Roger Rabbit or the upcoming Tom and Jerry film from Warner Brothers, uh, about Chip and Dale, Rescue Rangers, with John Mulaney and Andy Samberg starring and Seth Rogen cameoing. Uh, this is coming to Disney+, Plus directly, set for spring 2020. Uh, the Pinocchio live-action movie uh, remake by Robert Zemeckis, starring Tom Hanks, is confirmed to be coming to Disney Plus as well. No date set for this. Um, as well as the live-action Peter Pan and Wendy film, starring Jude Law as Captain Hook, uh, is confirmed to be a Disney Plus exclusive as well. Uh, this one was news. Uh, the Amy Adams-led live-action Disney Princess film Enchanted, which came to theaters in 2007, is getting a 13-year sequel called Disenchanted, uh, coming directly to Disney+, Plus. no date set. Uh, and then Sister Act is getting a third film, Sister Act 3, uh, starring and produced, produced by Whoopi Goldberg, as well as Tyler Perry producing as well. Again, Disney Plus exclusive, no date set. And then probably my biggest surprise from this segment was Cruella, uh, the Emma Stone-led film based on 101 Dalmatians, set in 1970s punk rock London, uh, is coming uh, to Disney Plus theatrically. Uh, there was no little logo saying it's a Disney Plus exclusive. Uh, it's still slated for a theatrical release, despite much speculation it would get moved there, given its you know early 2021 release date, specifically May 8, 28, 2021. 
Again, my takeaway from this segment, a lot of directed Disney Plus films early on in the segment, but those feel like stuff that from a past era would have generally been a Disney Channel original or maybe a direct-to-DVD sequel. Uh, so it makes sense that you know those now move to Disney Plus. Um, and, you know, pulling from the premiere animated properties or theme park rides, um, getting a live-action remake, it's telling that the 2021 films Jungle Cruise and Cruella are still set for a theatrical release, as well as the Disney Renaissance remakes of The Lion King prequel and Little Mermaid. Again, sharply contrasting the predictions by streaming first advocates that Disney would follow in Warner's shoes and put them on the streaming service first. Uh, as expected, though, uh, other live-action remakes that are not quite as of strong pedigree, such as Pinocchio, Peter Pan, and Chippendale, as well as long-delayed sequels like Sister Act 3 and Disenchanted, are going to Disney+. Plus. We kind of saw this uh, with Lady and the Tramp going directly to Disney+, Plus, uh, you know, when the service premiered last year. All right, on to Disney Animated Studios, uh, presented by Jennifer Lee. Uh, again, we already talked about Ryan the Last Dragon. Uh, a little bit more of an extended look here, new characters revealed. Um, but, you know, Raya is coming to a simultaneous Disney Plus premiere access and theatrical release this coming March 5th, which is actually pushed up a week from its original March 12th release date. Um, I'll touch on the d more details on Raya, you know, in, in, in a second. Um, now, let's see. Uh, Disney Animated Studios is working on their first animated series ever. Um, if you're thinking of the cartoons that used to air on, on Disney Channel, those were actually uh, Disney Television uh, producing those. Uh, so Disney Animated Studios is working on Baymax the Series, a spinoff of the Big Hero 6 movie uh, Disney coming to Disney Plus in 2022. Uh, Zootopia is also getting a spin-off series. Uh, it's a short form series. Looks like it's only going to be three episodes called Zootopia Plus, focused on some of the side characters from the original film, including the Sloth Flash. Um, as the name suggests, this is going to be a Disney Plus exclusive again in early 2022. Uh, what this, this what looks like to be a traditionally animated series based on the Princess Tiana from Princess and the Frog uh, is going to be a long form musical comedy, and they also hinted at future Disney princess series. But you know Tiana specifically will be coming in twenty twenty three exclusively to Disney Plus. Uh, Moana not a Disney princess technically, uh, but she's going to be getting a long form musical comedy uh, in twenty twenty three again Disney Plus exclusive, um, and then collaborating with the Pan African comic book entertainment company Kugali, they're going to be working on a new sci-fi original series based in Africa called Iwaju uh, coming to Disney Plus in 2022. And then the final announcement from uh, you know Disney Animated Studios is their next uh, their 60th animated feature film after Ryan the Last Dragon called Encanto, a musical magical story set in Colombia uh, led by the team behind Zootopia uh, collaborating with Lin-Manuel Miranda to provide the music. They really wanted to get his EGOT. Um, this one is set to come out in theaters on November 24th, 2021. Now, obviously, television series that they're going to make coming out on Disney+. Plus. Um, but what's striking here is that Disney Animated opted to keep their next theatrical release in 2021, um, you know, uh, for fall 2021 uh, in theaters as opposed to going the premiere access only route with Mulan or directed Disney Plus as with Hamilton and Seoul. Um, now, why <clears throat> and the Last Dragon is going to be both, right? It's going to have a theatrical release and a premiere access release. Now, there are a couple differences between this and the Warner model as well as even the Mulan model. So as opposed to Warner, uh, users are still going to need to pay $30 premiere access fee as with Mulan, presumably to own the film so long as your account is active and not you know, a temporary rental as you would on a PVOD rental service. This tells me uh, that Disney realizes that uh, you know, devaluing the perceived value of their 
premium theatrical films is not really a good long-term strategy by making them like, oh, yeah, they're a director streaming thing that you can pay for, that, that's free for you to access, right? Um, and so that they want to make it so that consumers are still expected to pay some additional money for these premium products, right? Um, and also that they also realize that, that these films, by going to streaming alone, are not enough to generate enough revenue to justify the cost of production of these films, Um so yeah, uh, the fact that this is you know the only film that they announced moving to this premiere access and not everything in 2021 is again a stark contrast to what Warner Brothers did. Uh, likely, you know, I think the case here is that Disney really can't push back Raya and the Last Dragon anymore uh, because of Encanto and likely what else is in production down the line. Uh, so they won't can't they can't really delay it further. With COVID vaccine not being set to be widely available till the film's release, and um, ha- I think Premier Action is essentially kind of like the uh, next best action, the next best compromise uh, for them that they want to see it. Um, and kind of, you know, the fact that they didn't really do the Mulan model, which was, you know, for Mulan, if you had Disney Plus in your region, it was not available in theaters at all. It was only available in theaters in places where Disney Plus was not available, uh, specifically China, right? Um, now you know the fact that they are having a, a the option for a theatrical release on top of the uh, uh, on top of the the premiere access. You know, which granted theaters may still be closed by then. People may still not want want to go to theaters. But the fact that the option is there is still you know at the very least throwing a bone to theatrical to theatrical, right? And I think it also proved that you know maybe there's bad will there. Maybe the fact that maybe Mulan did not make as money much money through premiere access as people were hoping. Um, so yeah. Uh, this does again follow the HBO model to some degree that there is a theatrical and the online release, but the online release does cost money again. Uh, overall, personally, I like the flexibility of this mixed model um, as opposed to the rigidity of the Mulan version, where you know you still Disney is still maintaining the value of their properties and the filmmakers and all that are still getting you know some additional re- revenue from that, um, and not you know making it so that you know people are not expecting box office films to just be free to access, right? Um, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have even gone to see Mulan, you know, in theaters because you know safety in the pandemic and frankly the thoughts on, on how the film was. But you know, even long term moving forward, you know, giving exhibitors the chance to see this the show films and for consumers to care about that sort of film to see films on the big screen, you know, not to mention how sometimes matinee tickets or if you're buying for a ticket by yourself, it's cheaper than getting out from your access. You know, that flexibility is a good thing to the consumer. I could see it coming again in the future, right? Uh, maybe not, you know, day and date release, but what I could see, ideal scenario for me, would maybe be theater exclusive, maybe 30, 45 days, add from your access for like another 30 or 45 days afterwards that, make it be available on VOD services, maybe, you know, 60 to 90 days after uh, it's been, you know, in theaters slash Disney Plus uh, uh, Premier Access, and then make it free to Disney Plus, you know, maybe, uh, you know, several months after that. Anyway, uh, we're still not getting done with the Investor Day. There's still another hour of the call that was left to cover. Uh, next up, we had Pete Doctor, uh, who took the stage to talk about Pixar. Um, obviously, Soul is coming on Christmas later this year to Disney Plus exclusively, but you know we knew that. Um, you know, Pixar Popcorn uh, is going to be a quote-unquote bite-sized stories featuring Pixar characters such as Buzz Lightyear in A Two Fitness and Beyond, Miguel from Coco in A Day of the Life of the Dead, uh, Lightning McQueen uh, in Dancing with the Cars, and Dory in Dory Finding. Uh, these are coming on to Disney Plus on January. Uh, Pixar is making a full series based on the character Doug from Up called Doug Days. It looks super adorable, and they showed a, a preview with puppies and squirrels. Uh, this is coming to Disney Plus next year. Uh, 
Um, there's a full series, kind of like the Doug Days, uh, f- based on uh, Light McQueen and uh, Mailer from the Cars franchise taking a road trip, uh, coming in 2022, another Disney Plus exclusive. Um, and then for something, for the first time ever, not based on a previous Pixar film, it's the first long-form animated series called Win or Lose, uh, which is a week in the life of a volleyball team uh, told from the different perspectives of the team member, You know, each episode taking on a different perspective of the same events. Uh, Disney Plus exclusive, coming 2023 and finally the new pixar feature film luca uh based on this uh on uh based on the childhood of enrico casarosa the director who made the uh, pixar short film la luna uh set in italy story of friendship uh slated to come out in theaters uh on june 18th 2021 um, another short f- director film getting their feature uh, directorial debut is Domi C, uh, who made the Oscar-winning film Sword Bow. Uh, she's going to be making a series turning red about a 13-year-old girl who turns into a giant red panda whenever she gets excited, like a fluffy, incredible Hulk. Um, definitely looking forward to this one when it comes to theaters March 11th, 2022. And then finally, in theaters June 2022, Pixar is returning to the Toy Story franchise in a little different way. So... In universe, you know, uh, Buzz Lightyear was merchandised for uh, some movie called uh, called Lightyear about some astronaut that goes to space, right? Rather than focusing on the toy Buzz Lightyear, uh, Disney's going to be making that movie that he was based off of called Lightyear. Um, how meta. Uh, they're going to be voiced by Chris Evans, uh, which set up nicely for a little joke to transition to Marvel Studios. Before we get to that, um, Pixar is keeping up with the same trends that Disney animated studios kind of as so and, and, and Disney motion pictures as well. You know, a bunch of TV series coming directly to Disney Plus makes sense for the platform, but the premium products, the good stuff, still slated for theaters, even those in 2021, um, they're not going to Disney Plus. Um, this is, you know, Luca, the, the Pixar film. Uh, notably, we didn't get any mention of the supposed coming uh, Monsters at Work series, uh, supposedly coming sometime in 2021, um, television series based on the Monsters Inc. franchise. Um, So, you know, we'll see. Anyway, moving over to the big kahuna, the grand finale, Kevin Feige and Marvel. Uh, The upcoming WandaVision series coming January 15th, 2021, uh, we we rehashed that. I think, you know, this was definitely known, but, you know, it's going to be tied to the upcoming Doctor Strange film, uh, which, speaking of, is currently in production uh, in London. The announced that America Chavez, uh, uh, a.k.a. Miss America, is going to be portrayed by Sotli Zotli Zosil, sorry, for mispronouncing Gomez, um, joining the cast, uh, set for theaters March 25th, 2022, ties directly to the Sony collaboration of the third Spider-Man film coming in December 2021. Um, another known TV series, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, is set to come out March 2021 on Disney+. Uh, we got a first, uh, first look at footage. Uh, they're calling it a movie played out over six episodes on Disney+, Plus exclusively. And then Black Widow, much delayed, uh, still confirmed to be a theatrical-only release on May 7th, 2021. Uh, Loki's Disney Plus TV series was confirmed for a May 2021 release date. Uh, new footage was shown, um, supposed to be a crime thriller that work- where he works with the TVA, uh, an universe group known as the Time Variance Authority that looks over the multiverse and alternate realities. Uh, speaking of alternate realities, next summer we saw footage of the animated What If anthology series. It looks like the MCU films, but if something different had happened. Um, the, the, what I could pick out from the footage was uh, Wakandan Star-Lord, uh, voiced by the late Chadwick Boseman, uh, Peggy Carter as a British uh, Captain, uh, uh, Captain British uh, super soldier, uh, and then the zombie Captain America as well. Again, coming uh, next year uh, in uh, Disney+. Plus. Um, I believe it's next year. 
Uh, and then Sanchi and the Legends of the Ten Rings is confirmed for theatrical release, still coming next summer, July 9th, 2021. Uh, and then Miss Marvel, the television series, uh, which they announced the the star Imani Vila- Iman Vilani uh, is going to play uh, the new Pakistani Miss uh, Miss um, Pakistani American Miss Marvel Kamala Khan, uh, airing on Disney Plus in late 2021. What's What's interesting here, though, is that you know uh, Kamala Khan, you know Iman Vilani, is going to be appearing as uh, in as as Kamala Khan in uh, the Captain Marvel 2 sequel which is a mainline MCU film so a character from the Disney Plus television show is going to be impacting uh, the mainline films uh, which is pretty exciting um, this is the film directed by Nia DaCosta Brie um, Larson returns as as Captain Mar- as Captain Marvel Monica Rambeau uh, who was the little girl from the first Captain Marvel film uh, is going to be showing up grown up now um, but she's also go- Monica Rambeau is also showing up on the WandaVision series that's going to be coming out uh, next Next month, so you know this one is set uh, for November 2022. Uh, Chloe Zhao's Eternals is also set for theaters uh, November 5th, 2021, um, and then Jeremy Jeremy Renner is getting his Disney Plus series Hawkeye, uh, starring Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop, uh, who was already reported uh, earlier this month, uh, set for late 2021. Uh, Seahawk is confirmed for a 2022 Disney Plus release as a series, played by Tatiana Maslany. Uh, notably, Tim Roth, as the abomination from the 2008 Hulk film, will be showing up, as well as Mark Ruffalo, uh, the Incredible Hulk Bruce Banner. Uh, they also hinted at other heroes, which I take to mean, you know, dead Daredevil, um, as you know, showing up in the uh, as another superhero lawyer. Um, this may be related to the rumors that Daredevil is showing up in the Netflix Daredevil is showing up in the upcoming Spider-Man film. Um, and then Moonlight, you know, also got a 2022 Disney Plus series, uh, supposedly an Indiana Jones feel with a focus on Egyptology. Uh, not previously announced, uh, Secret Invasion is coming as a 2022 Disney Plus TV series uh, featuring Captain Marvel as Nick Fury and Ben Mendelsohn as the scroll Talos from Captain Marvel movie. This is pretty huge given it's one of the biggest crossover series in the comics, but instead of doing it, you know, as an MCU crossover event like, you know, Infinity War, they're having it as a TV series. Um, will this tie into a future, this will tie into a future MCU film? Which one is TBD though? I imagine you know, it's probably going to be Captain Marvel 2 alongside uh, the, the Miss Marvel series. Um, you know, another uh, Disney Plus series, uh, Ironheart, is based on the young genius Riri Williams, uh, who makes the best suit of armor since Tony Stark. Again, supposedly going to be tied into a mainline film. We don't know which one yet. Um, and then, you know, speaking of Tony Stark's armors, uh, Armors Wars is a 2022 series that adapts the comic book story of the same name about what happens if Tony's armor falls in the wrong hands. This will be led by Don Cheadle, a.k.a. War Machine. And then, you know, to wrap up 2022, uh, we have the Guardians of the Galaxy live action holiday special, uh, again, exclusively on Disney+. Plus. Um, this is going to be directed and written by James Gunn and will actually be sought uh, during Guardians of, the Guardi- Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 production. Um, looking forward to seeing Groot dressed up as a Christmas tree, um, which speaking of, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is confirmed to come out in uh, 2023. Uh, I am Groot. Uh, Baby Groot is getting a series of, of sorts on Disney Plus. No specific date on this yet. I imagine they'll probably release it closer uh, to the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Um, 
And then they have the uh, rest of the MCU films that you know we already knew about another that, that are coming out. Um, you know, a little bit further down the line, uh, Thor: Love and Thunder filming in January uh, with Christian Bale as the villain Gore the God Butcher coming May 6, twenty twenty two in theaters. Uh, Blade, which was announced back at at San Diego Comic Con um, last year uh, with Marshall Ali leading, uh, still on the still on on the slate. No date announced for this one yet. Um, Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, Quantum Mania, uh, with Peyton Reed directing, all the main cast returning, in addition to Cassie Lang being played by Catherine Newton, um, and Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror, is set for a 2022 release date, no specific date there. Um, Black Panther 2, um, so obviously with Chadwick Boseman passing away, uh, people were wondering if he's going to be recast. They confirmed here that T'Challa, the character, will not be recast after Chadwick Boseman's performance. Um, however, they still announced that the, the film will be coming out in July 8th, 2022. Uh, and then Fantastic Form film has been confirmed. This one's going to be directed by John Watts of the Spider-Man film franchise. No date or casting announced for this yet, but it's finally the return of the first family uh, to Marvel. So after a very long time, so excited for that. Now, uh, in terms of immediately, the biggest news is, of course, Black Widow still slated for theatrical release in May. Um, no mention of any sort of director streaming, even a mixed premiere access release as with Raya and the Last Dragon. Huge perceived blow to Warner's position, as many people were suspecting um, that Warner was hoping that Disney would follow in their steps and move these potential billion-dollar box office films to streaming day and date. Uh, not only that, the other MCU films of 2021, Sang-Chi and The Internals, was also uh, you know, still in, in theatrical releases for next year, as opposed to, again, moving the entire slate there. You know, and presumably, you know, every other one after that from 2022 into 2023 as well. Now, the interesting difference here between Warner and Disney is that Disney is still opting to you know, beef up their streaming platform, but they're not doing it by using by cannibalizing their theatrical slate. What they're doing is they're still, still keeping their theatrical slate a theatrical slate and keeping that potential box office, but they're bolstering their streaming option with original series made for the platform that tie into the theatrical events. So if you're going to be watching it in theaters, you're going to be watching, be watching it you know, on... Disney Plus as well with the with the Disney Plus exclusive there, um, with such as you know WandaVision, uh, Miss Marvel, and and more. Now, notably, you know the Spider-Man films pretty absent from this. Um, I think that kind of makes sense, even with all of the rumor, casting rumors that have come out over the past couple of weeks um, about you know all three Spider-Men coming back, a bunch of villains coming back as well, and as I mentioned, uh, Daredevil from the Netflix series potentially coming back. Um, but again, those are Sony properties that, that Marvel mostly helps out with. So I think they're going to let Sony, you know, make those announcements when the time is right. But, you know, it seems that, you know, with Sony not having a streaming platform and Disney not really wanting to put their films on uh, Disney+, Plus, we won't be so, uh, seeing the Spider-Man film uh, next December on Disney+, Plus as well. Now, uh, one other speculation I saw, actually, um, a lot of the casting announcements for these Disney Plus TV series and, and side characters in Marvel MCU films suggest that they're actually building towards a Young Avengers project. Uh, whether it's a film or a TV series, I have yet to, we have yet to see, but it's cool to see the groundwork being laid for that. All right. That's the end of the announcement. We're 42 minutes in, um, and, and and in case you lost count, here's the final tally for uh, what's coming to Disney Plus exclusively and which are still theatrical exclusives or theatrical releases, yes. Um, so 
we have ten Star Wars, ten Star Wars Lucasfilms um, TV series, you know, Willow included, coming to Disney Plus. Seven films or series from National Geographic. Seven series from Walt Disney Television. Uh, Fifteen films from Walt Disney Motion Pictures that will go direct to Disney Plus. Uh, five series from Walt Disney Animated Series. Uh, going to Disney Plus, four series from Pixar and, you know, one that wasn't mentioned, uh, going to Disney Plus, and then 13 projects, you know, series or specials or sorts uh, from the MCU going to Disney Plus, though some are tied to theatrical releases. That's 61 uh, plus exclusives over the next few years. Um, And then we have two Star Wars films and two Lucasfilms uh, projects through 2023 uh, that are going to be theatrical. Uh, Four films from Walt Disney Motion Pictures going to theatrical exclusively, including the 2021 films. Uh, We have two films from Disney Animated, uh, one exclusively in theaters and one in that mixed release model, Raya. Uh, Three films from Pixar through 2021 and 2022 coming directly to theaters, uh, exclusively to theaters, and then 11 films from the Marvel Cinematic Universe from 2021 through 2023 and beyond, with all 2021 films still set for theatrical exclusively. That's 22 theatrical films over the next few years, mostly through 2023, uh, with a few beyond. That's 83 different projects I covered. I didn't even touch the FX, Hulu, and ESPN projects, which I believe brought the total number of projects that they announced to 100 projects total. Um, so as as Bob Iger noted, you know, they about 80% of their content is still coming directly to streaming and Disney Plus and Hulu and, and ESPN and all that. But um, there's still a 20% going to to, uh, to theatrical exclusively. Um of course, there's a skew, you know, toward Disney Plus to assure investors that the dividend is going to follow the catalog on the platform and that they're going to get a ton of users as they're as they're speaking. But again, frankly, the real money is in uh, theaters, and they're not putting those theatrical only films on Disney Plus. Again, the exception of Raya uh, with the premiere access and Soul coming to theaters, but that's again because of the vaccine not being widely available. Uh, they also did not include much of the the 20th century or searchlight films on their slate in this announcement. I'm not really sure why they didn't why they didn't do that. Um, but yeah, uh, now it's been a while since I've done this, uh, but I'm going to go through Disney's entire upcoming release slate, uh, ignoring anything untitled aside from the Star Wars films, um, and and you know. Uh, and including those that didn't get, but I'm also going to include those that did not get mentioned in this call from 20th Century and Searchlight Films. There are also a few uh, date changes uh, that have come out over the past couple of days, which I'm going to note here. Um, and and you know, this goes mostly to 2022, um, again, with a couple of things from Star Wars and Avatar to 2028. I'm also going to go ahead and note which films in 2021 uh, are competing against other studios' films. All right, step in. Uh, February 19th, 2021, wide release of Nomad from Search from Searchlight. February 26, 2021, everyone's talking about Jamie from 20th Century, competing against Warner Brothers, Tom and Jerry film, and Paramount's Oscar film, uh, The U.S. vs. Billie Holiday. March 5th, 2021, Ryan the Last Dragon, and the anime uh, from Disney Animated, which is the mixed release with Disney Plus Premiere Access, going against Coming to America, which is Paramount's film, uh, which got sold to Amazon. Uh, March 12th, 2021, The King's Men prequel uh, from 20th Century, uh, which actually moved from its February 12th date, going against The Many Saints of Newark, which is a Warner Brothers film. Uh, April 9th, 2021, Bob's Burger, the movie, 20th Century animated film. 
April 23, 2021, Ron's Gone Wong, a 20th century film which was distributed for a studio that had an old deal that has since moved to Warner. Um, this is going against Paramount's Acquired Place 2 and Focus Features film a Last Night, The Last Night in Soho from uh, director uh, uh, Edgar Wright. Uh, May 7, 2021, Black Widow, MCU. May 21, 2021, Free Guy, 20th Century Films, going against uh, Godzilla vs. Kong from Warner Brothers and Legendary, assuming that doesn't move due to a, a, a lawsuit. Um, May 28, 2021, Cruella, Walt Disney Picture motion, motion Picture Film, currently going against F9 from Universal. Uh, June 18th, 2021, Luca from Pixar, going against In the Heights from Warner. July 9th, 2021, Sang-Chi uh, from the MCU, going against the new Purge film. Uh, July 30th, 2021, Jungle Cruise from Walt Disney Motion Pictures. August 13th, 2021, Deep Water from 20th Century, going against the MGM biopic Respect. Uh, August 27th, 2021. This wasn't covered in the call, but it was announced. Uh, this, this is the announced date for the Beatles documentary from Peter Jackson. Um, this is going against Candyman from Universal. September 17th, 2021, uh, Death on the Nile, which got a new date from 20th, 20th century, going against the bad guys from Universal. October 15th, 2021, The Last Duel from 20th century, going against the new Halloween film, Halloween Kills from Universal. November 5th, The Eternals from the MCU, going against a Warner Brothers Elvis biopic. Uh, November 24th, 2021, Encanto from Pixar, going against MGM's and, MGM's and Ridley Scott film, Gucci. Uh, December 10th, uh, 2021, West Side Story from Steven Spielberg uh, and 20th Century. December, 27th, December 17th, 2021, the third Tom Holland Spider-Man film from the MCU. And that's 2021. Uh, 2022, January 2014, 2022, Nimona, which is a 20th Century anim animation film. May 11th, 2022, Turning Red from Pixar. May 25th, 2022, Doctor Strange, from the MC Doctor Strange 2 from the MCU. May 6, 2022, Thor, Love and Thunder from the MCU. July, June 17, 2022, Lightyear from Pixar. July 28, July 8, 2022, Black Panther 2 from the MCU. November 11, 2022, Captain Marvel 2 from the MCU. December 16, 2022, Avatar 2 from James Cameron, uh, going against Aquaman 2 from Warner Brothers. And then we're going to go to the cover the holiday films, uh, December 22, 2023. This is Patty Jenkins' Star Wars Rogue Squadron. Ju December 2020, 2024, uh, this is Avatar 3. December 19th, 2025, untitled Star Wars film, likely going to be Taika Waititi's film. December 18th, 2026, is Avatar 4. December 17th, 2027, untitled Star Wars film. And then December 20, 2028, Avatar 5. Some films with no specific date. Uh, Woman in the Window from 20th Century is coming out 2021. And then the French Dispatch, uh, which is a Wes Anderson film from Searchlight, coming 2021 as well. Uh, in 2022, we have Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum, Quantum Mania. And then the fifth in the Ann Jones film in 2022. Guardians of the Galaxy 3, Volume 3 coming out 2023. And then some undated films with no year specified. Uh, Children of the Blood from 20th Century co-produced with Lucasfilms. Antlers, uh, yeah, Antlers from Searchlights. This has got undated from a February 19th, 2021 release date. Uh, the Little Mermaid live-action remake, uh, undated. The Barry Jenkins Lion King pre prequel, undated. Blade from the MCU, undated. And then Fantastic Four, undated. All right. So in 2021, Disney is releasing 20, 
three films in theaters uh, in 2022. At least 10 films so far stole a bunch of untitled things as well. Um, this in 2022, this includes five MCU films in the course of a year and two Pixar films. Now, the overall future of the company is definitely slated toward Disney+. Plus. Again, not to say theatrical is dead for Disney by any means. To quote Bob Chapek in the Twitter uh, after the investor call, of the 100 new titles announced today, 80% will go to Disney Plus and streaming. But we had $13 billion of box office last year, and that's obviously not something to sneeze at. For us, it's about balance. End quote. Sots fire at HBO Max. Speaking of, uh, moving away from Disney Plus, uh, 50 minutes in, uh, there was a continued fallout as talent across the industry expresses their displeasure with Warner Studios after the move to move all of the 2021 films to HBO Max and theaters with no warning to the talent involved. The CAA president, the Creative Artist Agency, uh, Richard Lovett, wrote a letter uh, to Jason Keillard, CEO of Warner Brothers, basically saying they're going to war. The CAA is one of the biggest talent agencies in the industry, so this is a big deal. Uh, the DGA, the Directors Guild of America, also had their own letter with a similar sentiment. Uh, one thing I hadn't mentioned in the previous weeks was that not only would this you know, obviously affect the individual contracts between directors and actors who did not get their back-end uh, points you know, by going to HBO Max and not having as strong a theatrical release, but you know, guilds will not get residuals because when you have a project the guilds, you know, if you're signed on with the guilds, which most of the studios are, um, get a portion of all the residuals, which they use to pay out the pensions to their members. Chris Nolan actually doubled down this week, you know, in multiple statements on his press tour to promote Inception Home Media, uh, with saying that, you know, not only are the top building directors and and and, and actors getting shafted by this move, but it's really the low, the lower level guild members, right? The grips, the electricians, the sound guys, uh, the two the actors who are the minor side characters who have two or three lines or whatever who are part of the Screen Actors Guild, they get pensions from these films too, and that's something that you know they're that they're getting shafted on by not having this the the back end residuals uh, from these films. Uh, Dallas Villanueva had his own statement as well. That was a lot more strongly worded than just saying he was disappointed, which I noted last week. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing here, but it does end in long-lived theatrical cinema, takes shots at Wall Street, and basically accuses Warner of killing any chance of the Dune franchise getting off the ground with this move. It's a very short-term move to boost the numbers for its streaming platform to, be- to impress Wall Street. You know, I, re- I really don't see him coming to work on the HBO Max Dune television series that was planned. Uh, his Dune stars, uh, Jason Momoa and Josh Brolin, uh, also stand by Villanueva, sharing his letter on social media, again, saying long live the theatrical experience. Uh, notably, Momoa is the current actor who is portraying Aquaman uh, in the more successful Disney Universe, DC Universe film. So we'll see what happens with, with, when, when it comes down to suit Aquaman 2. And, you know, not verbally or textually showing his support, uh, Dune star uh, Timothy Salome uh, on SNL when she hosted this past weekend wore a legendary logo hoodie during curtain call, suggesting that he supports Legendary's position in their beef with Warner Brothers over their treatment of the Godzilla vs. Kong films and the Dune film. Uh, Judd Apatow, who's certainly pretty okay with his films going straight to PVOD, he actually had King of Staten Island go to PVOD this summer with Universal, uh, said that Warner Brothers showed stunning disrespect to filmmakers. And he pretty much said that, you know, Universal, right, when they said, hey, we want to put your thing directly to streaming, they were pretty upfront with that. So that's kind of like an example of the difference that the other studios are taking with their talent. 
Another universal talent, um, not Warner, commenting, is the legendary Jason Bloom of Blumhouse Pictures, who produces massively profitable films at very low budgets. Um, in a podcast, he was quoted as saying he would rather he would have called his lawyer had the Warner moves affected one of his films. And then Zack Snyder, who is bringing his cut of the Justice League film to HBO Max, apparently going to get an R rating. Um, you know, he had a bit more of a diplomatic statement, uh, stuck between you know needing to please Warner to get to let him get his cut out there, as well as his friendship with Chris Nolan. But he stated, "quote It felt like a pretty bold move, and maybe the implication wasn't a hundred percent thought out. I feel like there's a lot of people panicking during COVID, and I hope that in the end, that's what this was—some sort of knee-jerk reaction to COVID, not some sort of greater move to disrupt the theatrical experience." Frankly, you know, I, I I don't really know at this point. I mean, in an interview, Jason Keillor gave to Kara Swisher, um, he speculated that this model of distribution will allow for a billion-dollar budget fil- blockbuster film. Frankly, if you know anything about bu- blockbuster budget film, that's ridiculous. It just shows how out of touch he is with what how it, how movies get made, and kind of emblematic of how out of touch Warner is with their talent. Um, for context, the most expensive movie ever made in history is Avengers Endgame, which cost about $315 million to make, and as we know it, is the highest grossing film of all time with only $2 billion budget. And that was all through or gross, gross revenue, um, over $2 billion, and that's from theatrical, not from you know streaming. Um, another frame of reference, the Amazon Prime Lord of the Rings television series is going to cost $1 billion, yes, but for five seasons of content, not for one movie. The only way that his his stuff becomes true is reasonably in any sense is if there's hyperinflation making like two hundred million dollars now cost a billion dollars in the future, or if you include back end things like you know back end numbers and participations and marketing costs and all that, which apparently right like uh, Avengers Endgame apparently cost eight hundred ninety nine million dollars to make all told, including the back end participations and the marketing, but that's not how you talk about budgets in box o- in in box office. You know he also thinks HBO Max is going to get 600 million which again disney's target is 300 million in five years right uh right now the largest uh, netflix is at 200 million hbo max hasn't broken 15 million users yet so he's he i, I definitely would like to have some of what he's smoking uh, anyway, some quick headlines. Uh, I know I've been talking a lot. It's almost an hour. I thought a lot of how Sony, the owner of Anime Streaming Funimation, was in talks to buy AT&T's Crutchyroll for $1.5 billion. Looks like they were pretty good negotiators. They got the price down to about a billion dollars, uh, and they finally announced it officially. So, you know, that it'll go through pending regulatory approval. AMC, you know, saying they're going to go bankrupt again by January. They're going to lose all their cash reserves. Um, you know, nothing new there, really. Um, some additional closures of theaters as the coronavirus starts to spread. Um, Pennsylvania locking down through January 4th. French cinemas being closed through the holidays. Netherlands will be closed from December 15th through January 18th, at least. Boston area films are closing down for at least three weeks. And then London is in tier three lockdown, meaning theaters are closed. This means that international box office for Wonder Woman is definitely going to be reduced um, as it will miss the opening date for those markets this coming weekend and you know through the HBO Max premiere. Uh, the UK is still going to be opening the film even with London closed. Speaking of Warner Brothers releases, uh, some new dates for the 2021 split release films. Uh, Mortal Kombat is coming from January 15th to a uh, April 16th release date. Uh, Reminiscence is coming off the release calendar for now. Uh, it was previously on that April 6th release date, a uh, new date to be released. 
And then Tom and Jerry is going to be releasing February 26th instead of March 5th, moving up to compensate for not as much in the early release period. Um, you know, also, I think partly to not compete against Ryan the Last Dragon on the same date. Uh, now, not, not box office related, but the National Film Registry of the Library of Congress added 25 new films this year as usual. The honorees include The Dark Knight, Grease, The Blue Brothers, Joy Luck Club, Clockwork Orange, The Hurt Longer, and Shrek. Someone's an all-star. Now, it's been 58 minutes uh, since I started this podcast. I don't want to keep you guys going too long. So for the box office news for this weekend, uh, we'll just go through the rankings and the totals. Uh, the Crudes, not first place, The Crudes 2 dropped 31%, uh, made just over $3 million. Total domestic is $24 million. Worldwide, it's $76 million. Uh, notably, in China, it made $46 million to date, making it the second highest Hollywood film of the year uh, behind Tenet's $66.6 million and ahead of Mulan's $42 million. Second place, Half Brothers made $495,000, total of $1.38 million. In third place, there was a holiday re-release of 2003's film Elf, making $395,000 in 850 theaters. Uh, Freaky made $314,000, domestic total of $8.2 million, uh, domestically $14,000,000 worldwide. And then in fifth place, apparently there was a, uh, there was a re-release of... Uh, the Grinch, or how the Grinch stole Christmas, the uh, the live action one. Um, I think it made like a uh, two hundred and eighty four thousand dollars. So you know, pretty interesting uh, re release. Uh, I couldn't find out on the numbers, which has number five as War with Grandpa, making two hundred sixty four thousand. Domestic total seventeen point nine million. Worldwide total seventy four point seven. Total box office domestically five point eight million dollars just after last week's seven point six. Uh, definitely a ding- decrease. We'll see how uh, Monster Hunter this weekend uh, brings it back. Uh, last year we saw one hundred seventeen million dollars, including the premiere of Jumanji: The Next Level at fifty nine million. Uh, the big release this weekend is Mon- again Monster Hunter, which I don't ha- really think has a great shot given Paul W S Anderson's track record here, plus the negative reviews from China, which was you know the main market. Now, speaking of China, this weekend uh, was topped by local title Bath Buddy, making $28.7 million. Again, this is due to have Wonder Woman later this weekend on the 18th. But it will be competing with local film The Rescue, which is a sequel to the fourth highest grossing film ever in Chinese history, Operation Red Sea, and the four, which is the highest grossing film of 2018. So it'll be an uphill fight for Wonder Woman there as well, on top of having to deal with uh, you know, uh, the, the European and American shutdowns. And then finally, checking in real quickly with Japan, Demon Slayer has had hit $310 million worldwide when you add in Taiwan, Hong Kong, and Singapore, uh, this is, and Vietnam. This is now the top movie internationally behind the two Chinese films, The 800 and My People, My Home. Now, this, this is only internationally, not including domestic. Um, both of And the two Chinese films have over $400 million internationally. Tenet has made $303.5 million internationally. Now, given that Tenet is un- now available for home viewing and has dropped 61% in India, um, it's it's unlikely that, that Tenet is going to catch up. So uh, the biggest international films are all you know from Asia. Uh, total, including US box office, uh, it has actually crossed into the number five spot for wo- total worldwide box office, passing Sonic the Hedgehog at $304 million. Uh, in Japan, it now sits at 30.3 billion yen, uh, just half a billion or $4.8 million away from overtaking Spirit of the Way to be the highest grossing film of all time domestically, uh, which it could do by next weekend. Or it would have, if not this morning, Spirit of the Way got an official, an updated official total box office number, uh, additional 808 
880 million yen, putting their total at 31.7 billion yen. It's going to be a squeaker to see if uh, you know uh, if Demon Slayer is able to beat out uh, Spirit of the Way by the end of the year, but it's still possible. Uh, this is due to various screenings of uh, Spirit of the Way over this uh, past summer you know, during the coronavirus. Sadly, I won't be able to report on this weekend uh, if Demon Slayer does cross that record or how uh, you know Warner Brothers does uh, with uh, HBO Max release internationally. Uh, as again, I am on break from regularly scheduled until next year. Again, next week you have the special episode to look forward to, so stay tuned uh, on this feed. Um, as a teaser, there's going to be a YouTube video involved as well, so check out the show notes for the link to that. In any case, an hour in, that is the epi- this final episode of the Box Office Watts podcast for the year. Uh, send me, me any news tips that happen over the break uh, via email at boxofficewattspodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at BOWattsPodcast. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play as well. If you leave a review on your podcast service of choice or on Podchaser, that would be super helpful. I'll link th- those links are in the show notes. Numbers used in the show come from thenumbers.com. Our intro and outro music comes from Kevin MacLeon. You can find his stuff at incompetech.filmmusic.io. Editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch Podcast. And remember, our watch goes on. <laughs>